And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, ladies and gentlemen, apologies for the delay, those of you who are watching us live. I uh, I was getting ready for everything today and picked up on the, uh, took a look at the security cameras and saw a suspicious vehicle in the neighborhood. So I've been, uh, I've been uh, a little bit preoccupied. Welcome everybody. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hyde. I'm the editor at SciFiForMe.com where we just published Mr. Harvey's review of Night Swim. My camera is looking a little bright there. Let me let me change that. Let you uh, let you talk to Todd here for a second. Todd uh, still with us and uh, let me do that and that and that and that and there we go. That's better. Hi everybody. How you doing? Uh, so no, uh, the, the Stone Martin Weasels did not get to us, uh, today yet, yet. So anyway, I did mention we are live. We are broadcasting live right now to YouTube Odyssey, Facebook, uh, not Facebook, YouTube Odyssey, Rumble, Twitch, Kick. Twitch and Kick may not last very long because nobody's watching on those two platforms. So we may narrow the focus, narrow the bandwidth, and uh, and see. And and I will apologize ahead of time if I seem a little distracted, because you know I'm I'm waiting for I'm waiting for law enforcement to show up at different places. Not here, uh, but anyway, yeah. It's uh, anyway. Hi everybody. Uh, yeah, we are uh, we are live in and. All of those places. We're also available as a podcast on different platforms. If you do listen to us as a pla- as a podcast, uh, do check out the live video. Or doesn't have to be live. You can watch the replay. You can still leave a comment. Social media is up. Email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me dot com. We are uh, also on Discord. So there is that. Let me take a breath. <sighs> okay, everything's fine. What did I do with my coffee? <clears throat> I left my coffee upstairs. Anyway, okay, so today on the program, Lee Romare will be here from Romare Studios. He is an animatronics designer, and uh, he will be here in the second hour to talk about his work. He just did a Five Nights at Freddy's real-life setup, a real-world setup uh, for the YouTube channel Socks, I think is what it's called. So, uh, so we're gonna be we're gonna be talking to him about his work. He's an Emmy winner for uh, for his special makeup work on uh, Six Feet Under. So he'll be here in the second hour, and then we will have, assuming that I'm still sitting here and not called away, we will have our uh, open line third hour. And look, that open line third hour is for all of you. To call in and participate in the in the in the conversation, and tomorrow we have open line Friday. 
Monday on the program, Eileen St. Laurent will be here to talk about her new book. So we're we're booking guests. We're staying busy. So we do uh, we do anticipate a uh, a busy January, February, March. I've heard back from Jason Cordova over at Bay and Books. He's sent me a whole list of authors. We've got books that are coming out. So we're gonna be we're gonna be doing stuff. We're gonna be doing stuff and things. Um, real quick, just to start off, I want to offer my uh, congratulations to the new Miss America, just because. Um, this is the new Miss America. She was uh, Miss Colorado. Her name is... Uh, Madison, what is it? Let me, let me switch here to, uh, to Breitbart. Uh, she is the first active duty military to win Miss America. She's 22 years old. Madison Marsh, second lieutenant in the United States Air Force, graduate intern at Harvard Medical School, won Miss America, uh, this week. And, uh, she's, she's training to be a pilot. And she's uh, apparently a very smart person. Here's the rundown on her on her career. U.S. Air Force second lieutenant, first active duty service member, member to win the Miss America competition, pilot's license at 16, graduated from the Air Force Academy with a degree in physics. And I have seen, I've seen the comment, but I can't find it. Uh, for those of you Stargate fans, Samantha Carter has just become Miss America. And I know a lot of people are making the comment about uh, the the new Miss America being an actual woman. But more importantly, the new Miss America is, is Samantha Carter. So congratulations to her. Also, we've got a preview a little bit more on the new Ghostbusters, Frozen Empire. Um Apparently, it's pulling in uh, some inspiration from the animated real Ghostbusters series. Uh, this is Ben Travis over at Empire, and he says, "Oh wait, I hit the wrong button." No, let's let's back that up. <coughs> Across just two movies. The world of Ghostbusters established an impressive array of ghouls, not just your standard ghosts, but other kinds of monsters, too. You have Gozer and the Terror Dogs, the giant Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, ectoplasmic entities like Slimer, and the haunting Vigo the Carpathian. Now in Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, there'll be a fresh array of spectral beings to add to that roster. For instance, a creature known as the Sewer Dragon, seen sprawled across dual covers of Empire's Frozen Empire issue. And that's what you can see right here in the background uh, the the sewer dragon there in the margins of those two covers, and you'll notice that uh, that Annie Potts' character is in a Ghostbusters uniform. The creatures of Frozen Empire actually take influence from a different kind of Ghostbusters adventure, specifically late '80s animated series, The Real Ghostbusters, with its wild, original, weird as f villains, says director Gil Keenan. It's a show that unleashed such oddities as a were-chicken, a boogeyman, and an alternate reality with people-busters. 
He says, we wanted to bring that show's looseness and fearlessness to this movie. I think it's going to surprise people just how big this film is. Now, that's not to say that they're pulling in specific things from uh, the animated Ghostbusters, but if the tone is the same, maybe that's something to look forward to. Maybe that, maybe that adds another layer to this uh, that... Uh, that we can appreciate. So it's going to be interesting to see. I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. This is, uh, uh, this is something I'm looking forward to. This, the first, the afterlife was fun. Afterlife proved that you can make a franchise film and still ref ref respect the source material and respect the audience. So, I don't know. Uh, why did I pull a Gary? Well, that's I, I explained that. That's that's why. I'm, uh, let's uh, let's say hi to everybody in the chat. Death Angel Shadows here. Keeley's here. Uh, Mrs. Boss in there. Cam's with us. Who else is in there? Um, is that everybody? Where is everybody? Just because I'm late? I'm on. Anyway, all right. Let's see who's uh, let's see who's watching where. Anybody watching anything? We only got three people watching here. We got uh, three people watching on Odyssey. We've got uh, five people watching on Rumble. Hey, Rumble's Rumble's winning today, folks. What else? Do I seem a little scattered at the moment? BAFTA Film Award nominations have come out. Am I not? Oh, wait a minute. Crap. I've been doing this whole show this time and not not broadcast I didn't hit I didn't hit the go live button on YouTube. <laughs> it was live everywhere else. It was live everywhere else, folks. Hi everybody, welcome. Okay, here's what just happened. Here's what just happened, folks. I started the show. And I started the broadcast to all of the platforms. And it started going to all of the platforms... Except YouTube, where there are actual people watching, uh, because I didn't hit the go live button. YouTube is such a weird, erratic, stupid thing, because sometimes when you start a stream going to YouTube, it'll just start. Other times, it'll, it'll, it'll wait, and you have to hit this button that says go live in order for the signal to actually go out on YouTube. YouTube is very erratic and sporadic with that. And apparently, I have been sitting here broadcasting to every place except YouTube. So welcome to the YouTube viewers. <laughs> I'm not... Uh, Anyway, to for those of you for, for those of you who are on YouTube who have been waiting for us, let me explain why I'm late. 
because about 10, 15 minutes before the show was supposed to start, I was going, going to the break room to get coffee, and I noticed a suspicious vehicle in the neighborhood that I have seen before with a different license plate. And so I was, I was doing some follow-up on that, contacting law enforcement and saying, hey, there's a suspicious car in the neighborhood. It's been here before. Guy apparently is pretending to be a cable salesperson. So it's currently sitting in front of a, a, a neighbor's, uh, in, in a neighbor's driveway. I'm like, are you come? Don't come outside. So, I don't know. Uh, Death Angel Shadow says, I swear I'm not stalking you, Mr. Boss. I, I, I don't have, uh, you know, that's funny. I don't have concerns about most of that, you know, the doxing, the swatting, everything. Because we're not big enough yet. We, we get bigger. We get bigger. That might end up uh, being a thing. But, um, but right now, I don't have a whole lot of concern for it. I have had conversations with law enforcement in the past about, you know, what do we do with this kind of thing? How do we mitigate this kind of thing? And uh, right now, uh, it's, not, it's not that much of a concern. But hopefully, it never will be. That's all I'm saying. But and and this could turn out to not be anything. It it may just be it may just be somebody trying to sell Spectrum. But it's the same car that was here a couple of nights ago. Only the license plate's different. So I, that got my spider sense tingling and I was like, "Okay, hold on." Uh, Death Angel Shadow says we have the snow event of the decade here. We, um, we're expecting, I think, another half inch of snow over the next couple of days. Right now, it's, it's a balmy heat wave, 40 degrees outside here in Kansas City. <clears throat> so we'll see. Now, to bring everybody else up to speed, those of you who are on YouTube, um, uh, I'm going to, uh, once again, very briefly, very quickly say congratulations to Madison Marsh, second lieutenant in the Air Force, Madison Marsh, uh, Harvard uh, Medical School, physics, pilot when she was 16, uh, active duty Air Force, the first active duty military to win Miss America. Uh, there she is, Miss America. <clears throat> And I went through all of the all of the stuff about her uh, her credentials. She's essentially Samantha Carter from Stargate. So that was see, and the fact that all of you on YouTube didn't didn't get that the first time around. You'll have to go back and watch it on Rumble. You'll have to get go back and watch it on Rumble. So anyway, there we are. All right, so the BAFTA Film Awards nominations have been announced. And uh, this article here from this morning, Alex Rittman and Elise Schaefer over at Variety with this article here. And it looks like Oppenheimer's done pretty well. Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer appears to be the film to beat going into the 2024 BAFTA Film Awards. Having landed 13 nominations with the director's most successful film in the U.K. in terms of box office now becoming its most nominated on home soil. Now, BAFTA awards are kind of like the, uh, the U.K.'s 
mix of uh, Oscars and Emmys. So it's it's the British Academy of Film and Television or something like that. Uh, British, British Academy of Film and Television Arts, I think is what it is. Announced Thursday from London, the Atomic Bomb biopic is nominated for Best Film, Director, which could earn Nolan his shocking first ever BAFTA, leading at, by the way, Nolan has never been nominated for an Academy Award yet. Oppenheimer could change that. Uh, leading actor for, for Killian Murphy, supporting odds for both Emily Blunt and Robert Downey Jr. Close behind sits Yorgos Lanthimos' steampunk black comedy Poor Things, with 11 nominations, including Best Film and Actress for Emma Stone. But for all the achievements of Oppenheimer and Poor Things, the biggest talking point is likely to be the snubbing of Greta Gerwig's box office-destroying cultural phenomenon Barbie across so many categories. Now remember, Barbie just won Best Song. Was it Critics' Choice who won Best Song for, for I'm Just Ken? The film went into the nominations tied with both Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon with 15 long list slots, but on Thursday it emerged with just five of these having transferred into nominations. Margot Robbie has a leading actress nod, Ryan Gosling is among the best supporting actors, but there's no room in either best film or director, something likely to raise more than a few eyebrows. I'm not surprised. I mean, it's BAFTA. It's... It's the British. I mean, Barbie is, for all of its global phenomenon of Barbie, Barbie is an American icon. Barbie is American through and through in its cultural impact, in its in its tone, in its history. I, I'm not surprised, honestly that Barbie doesn't do that well in the BAFTA nominations. Just me. Because you have the British. And the British, for all of the perception that might be incorrect, we always think of the British as the proper and sometimes haughty, uh, you, know, you know, they have the, they have the accent and the fancy, fancy. And, and so, you know, we're the Americans, right? Barbie fits our aesthetic a little bit better than it fits the UK aesthetic. <clears throat> the five nominations earned by Barbie ties, sees it ties with Saltburn, which has performance slots for Barry Keoghan, Rosamund Pike, and Jacob Elordi, also nominated for BAFTA Rising Star. Like Gerwig, Emerald Fennell missed out on director nomination. Emerald Fennell, why have I, where did I hear that name before? That name on something else. That name is attached to something else. Let me, because I, that was a name that was attached to something genre here not too long ago, if I'm not mistaken. Let me look here. What is this sticking me in the face? All right. Uh, salt burn, but there was something. Uh, I want to say that there was... 
Where? What? What was the project that she was just? She was just talking about. Uh, oh, she was going to do a Zatanna movie, but there was something else here not too long ago uh, that she was going to be doing. And now, of course, all of the all of the listings are all about all about the BAFTAs. Yeah, Zatanna was a couple of years ago. I don't know. I there was there was something recent. I can't remember. But anyway, all right. Continuing here. Elsewhere, Killers of the Flower Moon and The Zone of Interest received nine nominations each, but many uh, many uh, are also surprised to see the list of Killers knobs didn't include Martin Scorsese in the director's category or Lily Gladstone for leading actress. Jonathan Glazer's Holocaust drama, meanwhile, lost just one of its ten long-list slots. So Oppenheimer uh, doing pretty well there for the BAFTA Award nominations. So, uh, so there is that to look forward. I have no idea when the BAFTA Awards are going to be uh, awarded. Let's take a look at this. Um, BAFTA, let's see, BAFTA, 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 BAFTA. When is it going to go? They will be announced. The winners will be announced. Seriously? You're not going to tell us when the BAFTA Awards will be announced in the ceremony? Folks, this is basic journalism. If you're going to list all of these award nominations for awards, and these awards are going to be handed out at a ceremony, then you would think that you'd probably put the date at some point of the ceremony in your articles. I have run across now three articles about the BAFTA Award nominations, and none of them mention when the BAFTA Awards will be given out. This is Journalism 101. Road Vagabond Life. People that think the Brits are sophisticated and never been to the UK. I've seen more drunks speaking there than anywhere. Well, so it's like San Francisco. Uh, when do Death Angel Shadow? When do we get to discuss the end of the golden age of of tabletop RPGs? Um, you know, according to Ben Riggs, I haven't seen that. You'll have to send that to me. I'll I'll take a look. I don't. I don't know. I don't know that we've been in the golden age of tabletop RPGs for a while. Because the the nature of things being such, I think the 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 bloom has has fallen off the rose quite a bit ago for for a lot of that. So, anyway, um, where we go next? The new Percy Jackson novel has a cover. Hollywood Reporter now with the exclusive reveal of the new cover for the book. This is, uh, this is the book <coughs> that he's doing, Rick Riordan is doing in conjunction with the new TV series. So I don't know, it's the seventh book in the series, but I don't know 
how much it's influenced by what we're getting in the television series. But there, there's the... Let's open this. There's the book right there. Let's see if I can zoom in on... No, stop. Zoom in on this so you can see. There it is. Wrath of the Triple Goddess is the name of the book. And let's zoom back out so I can read this. All right, so from Hollywood Reporter, Rick Porter, the uh, the writer of this article, Percy Jackson's next quest to get into college isn't getting any easier. After securing his first letter of recommendation in last fall's Chalice of the Gods, the Demigod has a new mission in the seventh book in author Rick Riordan's series titled Wrath of the Triple Goddess. Hollywood Reporter reveals the cover art for the book, which is set to hit shelves in September. Wrath of the Triple Goddess continues the story laid out in Shallows of the Gods with Percy seeking his second of three recommendation letters from Greek gods in order to be admitted to New Rome University. The second one will come from Hecate, the goddess of magic, if Percy can manage to complete her task. Uh, Ryan tells a Hollywood Reporter, it takes place around Halloween, which seemed appropriate to me for Hecate. Hecate? 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 How how do you pronounce this? The goddess of witchcraft and wizardry, who's our primary goddess in this volume. Basically, Percy and the gang have to house-sit at Hecate's house and take care of her pets while she's out of town enjoying Halloween. Things obviously take a wrong turn, and then they have to figure out how to fix things. Riordan teased the new book while on tour to promote Chalice of the Gods in the fall, but the cover artwork hadn't been finalized. So here is the description, the official description of the book. Percy Jackson, now a high school senior, needs three recommendation letters from the Greek gods in order to get into New Rome University. He earned his first one by retrieving Ganymede's chalice. Now the goddess Hecate has offered Percy another opportunity. All he needs to do is pet-sit her mastiff Hecuba and her polecat Gale over Halloween week while she's away. How hard could that be? So there it is. Um, the series debuts its season finale. Series season finale on January 3rd. The series is, uh, is it over on, is it Disney Plus? I haven't watched any of it. Uh, Wrath of the Triple Goddess, available for pre-orders, set to publish on September 24th. So if you're a Percy Jackson fan, have you been watching the series? And does the series hold up compared to the books? And are you bothered by race swapping some of the characters, gender swapping some of the different creative license that they've taken with the series? I know Riordan's on board with it and has defended it. But, but, I don't know. So the BAFTA Award nominees just announced. We had the Emmys. Uh, on Tuesday night, but I don't know that anybody was watching watching the Emmys because Tuesday night was also the Iowa caucuses. And here's here's my wondering, because in the aftermath of the Iowa caucuses, the, the GOP caucus, and the overwhelming win by a certain particular candidate, we get this announcement today. 
And I have no suspicion at all that the two are connected. I really don't. But it is an interesting coincidence that Alex Garland's Civil War is going to be released earlier than before. This is Deadline, Alex D'Alessandro reporting. A24's Alex Garland's Civil War shifts earlier in April. Uh, A24 is taking an opportunity with a blank spot on the calendar for a wide release April 12th and is moving its Alex Garland Civil War movie to that weekend. Now, this is the one that's got Texas and California colored the same on the map that shows this dividing line of states in the middle and the eastern block of, of the you know Confederation of States of, Calif- of, of Florida. Or what, it's complete nonsense map. But this is that movie, you know, with... with with Kirsten Dunst playing a, a an intrepid, heroic journalist, right? <clears throat> the action film about a near-fractured America balanced on a razor's edge was originally set to go on April 26th, but now A24 will have access to IMAX auditoriums on its new date. The movie starring Kirsten Dunst also moves away from a weekend that had the Amazon MGM Zendaya tennis dramedy Challengers and Lionsgate's unsung hero i haven't heard of either one of those so uh moved it up two weeks to april 12th when is super tuesday when is super tuesday this year i'm curious when is super tuesday super tuesday 2024 is march 5th okay so uh, so nothing suspicious about that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't think one thing had to do with the other. It's like I said, they got an available date. It came open. They got IMAX screens with it. Oh, hey, we can move this up and we can do better maybe. But there's that little niggling voice in the back of my head that says, you know... I wonder if there was a conversation somewhere. Oh, he won. He won in such overwhelming numbers. You know what this is going to do. We're just headed that foot. We're that closer to that much closer to the brink. Let's move up the movie. I, I don't think, I don't think either one of them are, I don't think they're connected. I don't think they're connected, but doesn't it make for a nice story? But didn't doesn't this doesn't that it, that's how the narrative starts, right? Somebody makes a makes a, a statement. Somebody has a speculation. Somebody says, "Well, what if?" And we have this, you know, now the suspicion that's out there, or the speculation, or the conspiracy theory, because we have gotten to a point now in our society. Where we don't trust. We don't trust our politicians. We don't trust our media. We don't trust the people in Hollywood telling our stories. We don't trust people. Let me ask you a question. Because I, we've, this, this situation that's playing out here in the neighborhood. Let me ask you. How many of you know your neighbors? 
How many of you actually know the people that live on your block? Next door neighbor, across the street, down the street, couple of houses down. How many of you know your neighbors? How many of you have had conversations with your neighbors? At least met them, shared contact information. You guys kind of keep an eye on each other's houses. How many of you know your neighbors? Because if we get to a point where stuff hits the fan and we're in, we're in a purge type of scenario, it would be uh, probably prudent for you to know your neighbors. One, there's this thing called situational awareness. Knowing your neighbors gives you a kind of a sense of who's who's nearby. Who could we who could we turn to in times of crisis? And I and and this is true no matter what we're talking about as far as like you know the the collapse of civilization, the fall of the republic. That's an extreme, but even just hey, I'm going out of town for the weekend. Could you keep an eye on the house? I'm going to be gone for a week. Could you come over and water the plants? Could you make sure that the cat doesn't get loose? Any of those things. Hey, I found this recipe for a yellow cake. You want to trade? What have you got? Let's trade recipes. You know, any of these things. But it helps to know your neighbors. It helps to get to know the people that live next to you, nearby you, and and even like with Death, Death Angel Shadow, you know, you're out in the rural area. Even getting to know just the people are around, you know, just to just to get a sense of the of the space that you're in. Cam says, know the range between your neighbors' homes. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Death Angel says, my neighbors behind me are from California. They thought we could melt the snow on the driveway with a propane torch. All I did was melt the snow and made thick eye. You know, yeah, Road Vagabond, you're right. Grow, grow a garden and share some veggies with the neighbors if you don't know them. We have actually, uh, we have actually done a little bit of that, in our, and we've had a couple of neighbors that do that as well. I got one neighbor that makes really good fudge, and uh, <coughs> we had, who? what did, Oh, you're on. You're on the phone. Never mind. Um, we had what did what did next door give us? Was it a salsa? What did what did they, what did they give us the other night? The, Which next door? Um. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And they gave us the the, the zucchini. Lots of yes, lots of zucchini. zucchini. Lots of zucchini. zucchini. Yeah. But yeah, we've got we've got a neighbor who makes a really good fudge. And and Mindy has put together different things uh, that we've shared with people. You know, stuff from the garden, peppers and and zucchini mixes and and relish and and whatnot. But yeah, get to know your neighbors, even if you're not friendly. With your neighbors, you're not friends with your neighbors. You can at least be aware, because you never know. It's just like this, you know. I've got I've got a phone number, 
I send a text to a friend to I send a text to a neighbor and say, "Hey, there's a suspicious car sitting in front of your house." Turns out it's a friend's husband. So everything's good there. But it's it's those kind of things like that car looks exactly like this other one that was here the other day. So, get to know your neighbors. Cam says, my neighbors have been trying to recruit me into their pickleball cult. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I've never played pickleball. It's just, just, you know, saying. All right, here is uh, another headline from uh, from Deadline. The Avengers is getting a reboot. Not the one you think. I mean, I guess we're in British news today. The Avengers reboot in the works at Studio Canal uh, with industry writers Mickey Down and Conrad K. This is Jake Cantor writing in uh, Deadline. Iconic 1960s television series The Avengers is getting... A remake. Deadline hears that Studio Canal, which owns the rights to the Avengers catalog, has been quietly plotting a reboot for some time, and a pilot has been written. That would indicate a television series. Not the movie like we got with Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman. Mickey Down and Conrad K., the writing team behind the hit HBO BBC series Industry, have breathed new life into Patrick McNee's debonair secret agent John Steed and his glamorous sidekicks. Sex Education Director Ben Taylor has been attached to direct and executive produce, while Warner Brothers Discovery production outfit Wall to Wall is co-producing with Studio Canal. So that means it will likely be on Max. There were rumors that the project was in with HBO, but this was denied last year. It is not clear where the Avengers reboot will land. Studio Canal declined to comment as talks continue. Now, Warner... To be fair, Warner Brothers could farm it out and sell it, license it. So it could hit some other streaming service, some other network. Uh, launched in 1961, the cult TV series ran for six seasons on ITV and later ABC in the U.S., where it was one of the first British shows to be acquired for prime time by an American network. McNee starred as Steed, who fought off diabolical plots against the state, with his trademark bowler hat and umbrella, he had a succession of high-fashion assistants played by the likes of Diana Rigg and Honor Blackman. They broke ground for being Steed's equal, holding their own in brawls and delivering playful quips. Known for being glamorous, surreal, and often fanciful, the series became an escapist romp for millions of viewers, merging the spy tropes of James Bond with sci-fi elements of Doctor Who. The Avengers was remade into a film in 1998 with Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman in the lead roles. It was a notorious flop that was savaged by critics and failed to break even on its $60 million budget. Remember the days when they made movies for $60 million? <clears throat> I do. Oh, those were the days, right? Okay, so here's the big news. That I haven't gotten to yet. Because it's breaking this morning. And people are talking about it. 
it is official. The proxy war is on. Uh, Zil- Zildernis? Zilder- Zildern- Zildernis? What's the bunker? This is the bunker. We're here in the bunker. This is the bunker. This is where I control the internet. <clears throat> so welcome. This is a this is a name I have not seen in the chat before. So good to have, good to have you here with us watching. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you stick around. Coming up in the next hour, in in uh, after after ten minutes or so, we're going to be talking with Lee Romero about his animatronic work. So stick around for that. All right. <clears throat> so the proxy war is on, ladies and gentlemen. Nelson Peltz has nominated himself and Jay Rosulo to Disney's board. It is now official. Bring it on. This is this is what's going to happen here and we're we're coming into the next uh, the next earnings call. Disney is officially facing its second proxy fight in as many years with Nelson Peltz's try-in partners officially nominating the activist investor and former Disney CFO Jay Rosulo to the entertainment company's board of directors. Try-in formally nominated Peltz and Rosulo Thursday morning. After previously announcing their plans in December, Try-in's preliminary proxy filing did not name which current Disney directors it intends to replace with those names to come at a later date. Triant also revealed its rationale for pursuing another proxy fight, once again highlighting Disney's lagging stock performance as well as a relative lack of ownership of Disney shares from the company's board. And remember, there are a lot of people that are on this board of directors. None of them have entertainment experience. Just saying. While those, uh, while those were both mentioned last year, the company also said that it intends to push Disney to target and achieve Netflix-like margins of 15 to 20 percent by f- fiscal year 2027 in its streaming business. Good luck with that. Finally, complete a successful CEO succession. Good luck with that. Something the board is engaged with. Launch a board-led review of creative processes and structure to restore leadership accountability at the film business. Good luck with that. And to provide a clear path for ESPN and the parks business. Now, uh, Culture Casino did a video here not too long ago about the ESPN thing. Uh, and I recommend go to, going to see that. It it sounds like they're going to piecemeal parts. They're gonna they're gonna part out ESPN, and they're gonna sell off pieces of it. And it sounds like they're con- they're contemplating selling a piece of ESPN to the NFL. I don't know how that's gonna go, but that's that's in the that's in the wind right now. Uh, back to the article. The Tryon nominees are committed to working with other members of the board and Disney's management team in order to reorient the company towards delighting its customers again and driving significant value for its owners, Tryon wrote in the filing. Most importantly, we believe that they would bring greater focus, alignment, and accountability to the boardroom. In a statement, Peltz promised a full presentation to shareholders. And they've done this before. They've done these these PowerPoint presentations before where basically they sit there and say, look... For as long as this particular board member has been on, the stock has dropped this much. This board member, stock's dropped this much. This board member, and they are comparing and contrasting all of the different people that are on the board. Here's how the stock has 
uh, here's how the stock has performed under this leadership. And it's not a good picture. It's not very pretty. Uh, continuing. But to be clear, Disney needs to again be the beacon of strategic clarity and exceptional execution it once was. Peltz added, no Disney shareholder should be content with the current strategic muddle or have to endure failed execution without accountability. And I agree with that. If you're going to have this, uh, if you're going to have this, uh, this business and you're going to be on the board of directors, you have a fiduciary responsibility to your shareholders to not fail in business. Whether you understand entertainment or not, you ought to be able to look at the books and say, hey, we're not making money like we should. What do we do different? What has to change? And it doesn't seem like that they've been doing that. Disney released its own preliminary proxy filing on January 16th, formally recommending its slate of board nominees and rejecting Tryon and Peltz. Disney said in the filing that in a two-year quest for a seat on the Disney board, Mr. Peltz had not actually presented a single strategic idea for Disney, that his assessment of Disney seemed oblivious to the ongoing secular change in the media industry. I don't buy that for a second. So you've got this. Now, what came out, uh, I saw a tweet on this. Uh, it has come out that, that Peltz and Tryon have consolidated control of 10% of the Walt Disney Company. And according to what I saw this morning, that is the biggest single block of ownership out of everybody who owns shares in the company. So we know that Peltz has partnered with Ike Perlmutter, who used to be in charge of Marvel. And we know that Peltz has been consolidating things, but the fact that they own 10% of the Walt Disney Company, or at least control 10% of the Walt Disney Company, uh, that, that is going to be interesting. So the proxy war is on, folks. And I have sent a note to Dan Danford, uh, to see if uh, perhaps we can uh, we can talk about this uh, in depth on Monday, uh, so we'll see uh, what we can see. We're going to see about that. Here's the tweet. This is from that Park Place. Nelson Peltz proxy statements reveal that he now controls more than 10% of the Walt Disney Company, making Tryon the largest beneficial shareholder of Disney by a wide margin. So. It's heating up, folks. It's heating up. That's uh, that's that's where we're at. I don't know. It's uh, we'll see. To me, I'm all for it. If if pelts, if pelts can shake things up and get the Walt Disney Company back into alignment on, let's make things what entertain people. Let's make things what make our shareholders money. Then, uh, then perhaps, perhaps all is not lost. This is this is something, and I want to, I want to, I want to. There are days. There are days when it's easy to be black pilled, and I know that there are a lot of people that are out there on YouTube and social media saying Star Wars is dead, Marvel is dead, Star Trek is dead. Doctor Who is dead. Marvel Comics is dead. DC Comics is dead. Maybe. Maybe yes. Maybe they're just mostly dead. 
Maybe they're just partially dead. If they can be revived, if, if, and, and this is a bigger picture thing than just Star Wars, Lucasfilm as a business, Disney as a business, Warner Brothers as a business, DC Films as a business, you know, uh, Paramount, CBS, all, all of these companies, their focus needs to be not on the message, but on entertaining the audience. And it's not necessarily give in to all of the audience demands because there's a, there's a plethora of different demands that we want this, we want this, we want that, we want that. And you can see in the fracturing of the fandom, fans want different things and they're not always compatible. So it's not listen to the fans and give them what they want. It's listen to the fans, amalgamate all of this into something that's aimed toward entertaining as many fans as possible. But you do it in a way that has value, that has integrity, that respects the source material, especially if you're doing a kind of a remake or a reboot or a sequel, something within a franchise. You've got to do something that respects that franchise, that, that, that intellectual property, if you want to talk in business terms. You've got to do something that respects that. You have to honor what's come before, not not spit on it. <clears throat> so we'll see. I don't know. I, it, will Favreau save Star Wars? Who knows? Will Pelts and Perlmutter save Disney? Who knows? Will Sherry Redstone sell Paramount to David Zaslav? Who knows? It's, you know... It's just one of those things. It's just like, well, I don't know. Maybe, kind of, sort of. I don't. We'll see. Anyway. All right. So let me see here. Oh. Okay. All right, so I just got a note from Lee Romare's representatives. Lee is caught up in a project with a tight deadline and cannot make it today. Let me send this note back. I tell you what, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let you... Hold on. All right. Let me uh, let me do this. Uh, I'd love to see the Jack Nicholson Joel Stewart waltz into the Disney boardroom to say this comes. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Uh, Rixel says I cannot imagine how you can salvage a franchise that's had woke slop stuff dumped on it for many years. There is still, there is still a possibility. I don't know. Uh, I was supposed to hit up Lee for animatronics on top. We can still have a conversation with Lee. It's just not going to happen today, apparently. So let's do this. Let me, let's take a break and let me answer email uh, because they've offered me an alternative. I need to answer that. So let me do this. I will, we, we will return 
right after this. Don't go anywhere. Stand by. Stay tuned. Live from the bunker. We'll be right back on Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Sci-Fi for Me is about to take you on an incredible journey into the realms of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors. Conventions and fandom. Previews and reviews of movies and television. Sci-Fi for Me is working to be the most popular science fiction magazine in the solar system. Subscribe now and enter the fantastic world of Sci-Fi for Me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Back live from the bunker, Jason Hutt here along with all of you, and I am seeing some new names in the in the chat. That's gratifying to see. All right, my name is Jason Hutt. I'm the editor here at SciFiForMe.com, and you know what to do. Uh, beware, beware, ladies and gentlemen, beware. We are back, and yes, join us on the Discord. Uh, there's the link there. Oh, and that's a that's a super chat. Hang on, let me let me call this up because where where was it? A five dollar super chat from Death Angel Shadow. Uh, we're back. Join us on Discord and celebrate. Be there or be square. Plus, we're just fun to hang with. Helps to have it on the screen. I didn't. I pushed the wrong button. Yes, we are we are fun to hang around with. It's not it's not Monday. It's not Monday. It may be your Monday, uh, but it's not Monday. All right. So Lee Romare has uh, has had to reschedule, and uh, we'll see uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, okay. Let's see. I don't need to respond to that one just yet. Okay. So I'm waiting to hear back. Uh, they did offer a thing. Um, okay, I got confirmation from Dan. So, Mon- no, wait. Uh, I can't do Monday. I can't do Monday for Dan because I've already rescheduled. Um, see, this is what happens when I start to get busy. I, I, I've been so... I've been so messed up because I'm... I'm having to figure all of this stuff out because I, you know, I'm I'm out of practice. I'm rusty. I'm hitting buttons. I'm like, well, oh yeah, that's that's what that's supposed to do. It occurs to me that uh, we're probably going to get a copyright strike on that. <laughs> a ping, at least, because there are these companies. That like to take advantage, and uh, and and ding us for music, uh, for which we have paid a hefty sum for the license. So, um, weatherman's got a migraine. Here to lick the light button. Got to lay down. Feel better. Feel better. Um, in those particular cases, and unsolicited advice here, we usually will do a combination of. 
Tylenol and Excedrin tension in a one-to-one combination. I am not a doctor. I don't pretend to be, but that seems to help us sometimes. I'm not giving you medical advice, but when Mrs. Boss has some uh, issues like that, that's usually what we do. Anyway, all right. Todd, uh, I think your time will come, Todd. Todd is a Houston Texans fan, still waiting for the Texans to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Road Vagabond Life says, Todd, give me a call. I can get you a new deal and out of this bare-bones contract you have uh, with Jason. Mr. Boss needs the positive affirmation uh, because, oh, yeah, well, yeah, with, with likes and everything. Okay. Yes, it would be. It, it, is, it is nice to know that you guys like us, that you, that you like us. Uh, I'm going to have to look at that bitrate thing. Death Angels, uh, let's, let's talk about bitrate, uh, issues at some point if, uh, if you're around, uh, today or, or whenever, whenever. Okay, so, um, we do not have, we do not have a guest today, but that's okay. Let's take a look around the cesspool that is the internet and see if there's anything brewing that I have not seen yet. Here's an interesting show. You wake uh, an interesting question. You wake up in the last TV show you watched. This is your life now. Where are you? Um, I'm in Gotham City, and the the Gotham City of the new Batman Adventure. So, the second iteration of the Bruce Tim Paul Dini. Batman animated animated series. The one that's got the Catwoman design that Mrs. Boss doesn't like. That's the last show we watched. We only got three episodes left to watch in that one, and then I got her then I then I get her started on Superman. So this uh this proxy war thing it's gonna be interesting. Gonna be interesting. Uh the Ray thing <laughs> there's a there's a report that she's gonna possibly make $12.5 million for this new Jedi Order movie, if it happens. Um, <laughs> Todd is a guy still waiting for Gary to start a stream on time. Uh, does YouTube count? If so, I'm in a legal mindset stream. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Disney's going to fight Pelts all the way as as hard as they can. They don't want him on there at all. And there's there's all sorts of speculation as to why um, the the FTX thing, of course, is a pot is a is a fun uh, conspiracy theory that you know the, a fun suspicion to entertain. I don't know how much there is to it. Uh, timing timing is is more of a factor on that one than anything else. But I think just to have these uh, shareholders come in, and we've heard these calls. We've heard these shareholder calls, and one of them—it wasn't the last one. I think it was—it was two calls back. There were people that were just digging in and and railing on Bob Iger about how he's let this company uh, get into the weeds of politics, and how dare you, sir? And and why are you associating with these people? And and these organizations and this mentality and this ideology and that shareholder call did not go well for Bob Iger. 
and this whole thing with the with the proxy war i mean pelts was all ready to to go to go to town and Iger said, okay, we're going to make these changes and we're going to do these things and we may even possibly pay a dividend at the end of the year. And Pelts and Tryon said, okay, we're going to give you some rope. We're going to let you, we're going to give you a chance to turn this thing around, to, to course correct. Let's see what you do with it. But we'll be watching. And so now, and now, uh, it looks like that uh, that Iger and the board of directors and and uh, the Walt Disney Company has not moved in a direction to the satisfaction of Nelson Peltz and Tryon. So uh, so yeah, I'm I honestly I'm looking forward to that battle. I'm looking forward to it. I'm curious. I want to know what happens. And we are going to be talking with Dan Danford about it. Monday is not going to work because Monday I've already got a guest. <coughs> Monday, Eileen St. Laurent will be here. Uh, so I have to I have to reschedule Dan. I wasn't looking at my I wasn't looking at my calendar. I've got a calendar. I didn't show you this. Let me sh and it's on paper. Let me show you this. I'm proud of this. I'm organized this time around. When when we decided to come back, I made a list of some different uh, PR people that keep sending me stuff. Hey, here's this book. Here's this new thing to see. Here's the review and whatever. And we got all these things to interview and you know people and whatnot. And so I sent these emails out that said, "All right, we're booking for January and February." And uh, you know, in in my in my attempt to get everything organized and ahead of time. I made calendars. I made calendars here. So I got January. I got Feb, Feb, February. February. Feb, February. February, as some people say. And I have March. I have calendars for the first three months. And I am filling in. I am filling in the days with guests. I'm, I'm writing in guests. You, know, you see Paul DeGarabedian right there on yesterday's. Uh, David Glenn. David Glenn asks, are you back? I'm thinking I'm back. Yeah. So, but yeah, getting getting organized because one of the things when when you send all these invitations out and you say, "Okay, well, here's here are the here are the available dates." And now you're waiting to hear back from people. And so now I can keep track and I can say, okay, well, I've got this day open and this day open and as soon as it's clear, as soon as it's it's booked, I can I can put a name there and I know that I've got some I've got a guest lined up for that and I don't have I, I don't have room for anybody else because I want to give a full hour to the guest. I don't want to shortchange anybody and uh, do that. No swimsuit calendar, no green Orion women in dance gear. No, this is just a this is just a very basic uh, a very basic calendar. I'm not sure. Mrs. Boss is on her lunch break, so she's not down here right now. I'm not sure that Mrs. Boss. Uh, we we could. Do, I need to get a calendar uh, for the garden. We'll see. I don't know. Oh, hey, uh, I almost missed this, Michael, with a five dollar super chat. 
At least you did not say cesspool of your audience. I dodged that bullet again. <laughs> My audience is not a cesspool. No swimsuit count. No, no, my audience is not a not a cesspool. My audience is a great group of people who are very smart and and are very creative. There are a lot of a lot of you people out there that uh, that have some really good opinions. You have some pithy remarks uh, to share. So I'm I'm glad to have all of you here. I'm glad to have all of you with us. Um, Zildernis, I I just butchered that. They're going to put you in in-school suspension? I hope not. You need to behave yourself. Everybody needs to behave. All need to behave. Everybody needs to behave. All right, so let me, let me check the email, see if we got any breaking news. Um, okay, Tuesday. All right, so Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, Tuesday... Dan Danford will be here for a money talk about the Disney proxy war. So mark your calendar. So see, I just wrote it down on the calendar. Tuesday the 23rd, which is James's birthday. All right. Road of Vagabond Life says a sci-fi pinup calendar could be quite a scary idea. I don't know. I mean, Anna, that Star Wars girl's in two of them now. Not scary. We we could do a cal. We talked about doing a calendar. It wouldn't be any kind of like a sexy outfit type of calendar. It would probably be, uh, like landscapes and wallpapers and and that kind of thing. Because you know we've done some stuff where it's you know planets and moons and nebula and and starscapes and that kind of thing. I I we don't have. We don't have the the wherewithal to do the do those kind of calendars like what Anna's doing or what uh, what uh, conservative men are doing with the beer or with the with calendar gate calendar or anything like that. One, we don't have people. I mean, it's, right now it's just, it's it's me and it's me and Mindy. Uh, Tim's doing reviews. Uh, uh, Christopher's getting ready to come back. Uh, I got a I got an email from Mark Delfonso. He's ready to get back into doing some some gaming coverage, so we're building back up. But you don't want to you don't want to see me on a calendar. I guess I could do. I don't know. Maybe we could do a maybe we could do a calendar of maybe we could do a calendar of Migo Kirk and Spock, or maybe we do a calendar with. Uh, with Todd. We could do a Todd calendar. A neighborhood watch calendar. There we go. We could do a Todd calendar, I guess. Yeah, dress him up for, you know, put him in a different scenario each month. Hmm, that's got some potential. That has some potential. I'm thinking, hmm, that, that's not a bad idea. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, so let's... Let's take a look here. I just want to double check and make sure I'm not missing anything really, 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 really amazing in the news headlines. What have you guys been doing in the last six months that we've been gone? How have y'all been? Have y'all been keeping yourselves busy? 
I know you've got other channels that you've been watching. I will forgive you that. Nobody said that uh, that you had to stick with us. Oh, hey, here's one. This one breaking today, breaking news in the Hollywood Reporter. Let me show you this. I'm not sure what how I feel about this one. Hollywood Reporter. Rick Porter. Selena Gomez, David Henry set for a Wizards of Waverly Place revival at Disney. This is breaking today, just a couple hours ago. <coughs> uh, returning away from Disney Channel is looking at a revival of its comedy, Wizards of Waverly Place, ordering a pilot for an updated take on the 2007 to 2012 series. Uh, Gomez and Henry will be executive producers of the project, with Henry also attached as a series regular. Gomez will make a guest appearance in the pilot. Henry will play the grown-up Justin Russo, who has abandoned his wizarding powers for an everyday magic-free life with his family. That's upended... When a young wizard, Janice Leanne Brown of Disney's Just Roll With It, never heard of them, finds him and asks him for help in both training and ensuring the future of the wizard world. Gomez will appear in the pilot as Alex Russo, Justin's sister. So we have a new Wizards of Waverly place coming to the Disney Channel. Okay. On the face of it, I can see why they would want to do something like this. Because they had a, a fairly decent amount of success with Girl Meets World as a, as a, as a sequel to Boy Meets World. But, let me a ask this question. At what point... At what point... Do we look at something and and stop? It's not really well. It's not really a gender swap because because it's not a it's not a gender swap. I know David Henry is going to be playing the same character he was playing, but when he gets contacted, the new lead character is a girl. All of these new versions or reimaginings or the sequels or, or anything like that, you know, and we're constantly getting all these new shows that are, that are being announced. All, almost, almost all of them have female leads. And in, on the face of it, there's nothing wrong with that. But all of them? Most of them, it feels like Hollywood's kind of overcompensating, maybe. I don't know. I, I just it just feels like we've seen this before. And maybe it's just me. I don't have any interest in it. I mean, it wasn't a bad show. It ran. It ran at a time when my kid was was right there of an age where he could, where he could appreciate it, and it was kind of fun. But we don't need this. 
we need new stuff. We need new stuff. We don't need we don't need studios developing, uh, you know, putting together complete departments for adaptations. Come up with something new. Come up with something brand new, never seen before, never done before. That's what we need to do. And I don't I don't need a bunch of musicals. I'm not a, I'm not a I'm not a musical guy. I can appreciate musicals. My first wife was very big into musicals. Me, not so much. I am not a big fan of musicals. So, you know, I'm like, eh, well. <clears throat> they got a reboot. Hi yes, they are working on a reboot of Highlander. Henry Cavill is uh, rumored to be attached to it. I don't know when they're going to make it because Cavill is doing his Warhammer 40K project right now. And I believe that starts shooting, I want to say in March. I know it's, I know they start production this year. Uh, I want to say it's in March, but I could have that wrong. It's been known to happen. It's been known to happen. I have, I have had things wrong before. Just saying. Just saying. <clears throat> All right. Oh, and by the way, follow up real quick. That was a that was not a suspicious that was not a suspicious vehicle. I heard back from the neighbor. They know who that was. Everything's good there. So so we're back to we're back to condition yellow. They filmed multiple movies at the same time. Are you talking about it in the in the in the Warhammer stuff or or in the uh yeah. David says, Blues Brothers is about as far as I go down the musical. <laughs> well, and it's like we talked about with Paul yesterday. You've got Wonka. You've got Bar Barbie's not a musical, but the, it's got musical numbers in it. You have uh, Mean Girls, which was not marketed as a musical. It was marketed as just a movie. It was it was just an updated version of Mean Girls. Nobody really understood that it was the musical. The it was a movie of the Broadway musical version of the movie, which is dumb, but okay. Uh, and it and it raises the question if. If Mean Girls is a success, is considered a success, does that open the door then for Warner Brothers to partner up with J.K. Rowling and do Cursed Child as a movie based on the play? Because Zaslav's really hot to trot on new Harry Potter. So you could do a Cursed Child movie adaptation to kick off all of this other stuff. But you'd have to recast because, you know, Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson have all come out and said, J.K. Rowling's a very bad person. Meh. 
And that's a good question, Death Angels. Why aren't they marketing these new musicals as musicals? I don't know. I don't know. Wonka, I mean, we got a clip. We got a musical number as a, as a clip that was put out uh, before the movie hit. So pe- I think people understood that Wonka was going to be a musical. But then you have The Color Purple, which was a musical. Coming up in 2024, we've got Wicked Part 1. Which is going to be a musical because it's based on the it's based on the musical, which is based on the book. When the book is not a musical, obviously. But you have uh, the different the different things that we have talked about before. Hollywood needs to be making the cheaper pictures. Hollywood needs to be making thirty million dollar movies, fifty million dollar movies, twenty five million dollar movies. Musicals are not cheap. They're not the big special effects extravaganza $300 million pictures, certainly. But they're not the $50 million picture either. If Well, I guess you could do it that way. It depends on how extravagant you get your musical numbers, your choreography, how many people are in there dancing around in the show. Because five people don't cost as much as 50 people. Because if you got a bunch of extras dancing around, like, you know, with, like, say, West Side Story, if you got all the different gangs and they're all there and you've got 30 or 40, 50 people, that costs more than just five people. So you could do a musical on the cheap, maybe, depending on how you structure your budget. So, I okay. But we just we just need cheap movies. Speaking. Oh, hey, that reminds me. And Mrs. Boss is not down here. Let me. Let me. I have. I have something that I ran across today that surprised me. Uh, because I remember when it came out, but I what I didn't even pay attention to it because I never realized. That uh, that this was what it was. Okay, let me let me do this. I ran across a clip on Facebook this morning <coughs> for this for this movie, this Blake Lively movie that came out in 2015, and 2015 was a very long time ago. I know, and I don't know how I missed that. This is a genre picture. Let's see, 2015. Yeah, we'd been around. We'd been around six years at that point. The movie is called uh, "The Age of Adeline." I didn't know anything about this, but I, you know, Blake Lively's in it. Okay, but I didn't know anything about it. And Harrison Ford's in it. Blake Lively's in it, and it's. A movie about a woman who has a, 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 an accident, a car accident, in the early 1900s, and she stops aging. I, Mrs. Boss, I didn't know if you were. I, I've I've called you down here because I'm I'm not uh, aware of this film, and I want to see if you were. Uh, well, I'm letting you get settled in, and I'll ask you about it. There's a movie. This it's a Blake Lively movie from 2015. Oh, is that the... the Age of Adeline. Yeah. Harrison Ford's in it. Ellen Burstyn's in it. Oh, 
You know the movie? Have you seen the movie? No. Are you aware that it's a genre movie? Yes. Where have I been? In a basement. I I, I ran across a clip this morning, and it, she basically she has a car accident, and she stops aging. And has to it's you talk about Highlander, it's kind of like a female Highlander only it's not an action picture it's 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 a, a fantasy romance type of thing I guess and she doesn't age and so she has to keep going through life alone and and re, you know fake IDs and and new personas and when I'm I'm intrigued by this. Because I didn't, I, I didn't realize what it was. Anyway, all right. So here's a headline. We talk about we talk about YouTube earlier today, and they're, they're laying off people. and there's They are laying off people. Laying off people. Hollywood Reporter: YouTube cutting 100 jobs in restructuring of content and creator teams. Now, this will have a direct impact on channels like ours, people like us. Now, we're not big enough to have a creator partner. We don't get something like that until we get somewhere around 100,000 subscribers. By the way, if you're not a subscriber yet, think about it. Or you you can follow us on any of these platforms. Doesn't have to be YouTube. <clears throat> so, YouTube has this thing called a creator partner. When you get when you get to a point where your channel is big enough to garner the attention of YouTube, they will assign somebody as your tech support guy, your customer support type of person. You have a I have an issue with my channel. Here is the person that you directly interact with in order to deal with whatever situation comes up. It's kind of like whenever I send an email to Odyssey, Odyssey emails me back. There's an actual person that answers me. Well, YouTube, when you get to a certain level, you get to a certain size, you have a person. What? If they acknowledge your presence. If they acknowledge your presence, yes. Now that's going to be a little bit harder. The layoffs playing, plaguing the tech sector have hit YouTube. The streaming video platform will cut about 100 roles as part of a restructuring of its content teams. YouTube Chief Business Officer Mary Ellen Coe announced the changes in a memo Wednesday. A spokesperson for the platform confirmed them to The Hollywood Reporter. Tube Filter first reported the restructuring. As part of the changes, the company's sports, media, TV, and film teams will be consolidated into one group, as will all of YouTube's music teams. The platform's creator management teams, that's the, that's the direct contact people that we deal with, now report to leadership within each country. Uh, co-wrote in a memo, as we've seen the past few years, our creator base is broadening and diversifying from our most experienced creators to a new generation of casual creators posting on YouTube for the first time. Generative AI tools will further fuel new forms of creativity <coughs> right, uh, and bring even more creators to the platform. At the same time, our subscription businesses have momentum powered by partnerships with music, sports, and media companies. 
as the business evolves, we have an even greater need to ensure we're running the business effectively and meeting the needs of all our users. The cuts at YouTube come just a week after Amazon cut hundreds of jobs in its Prime Video and Twitch divisions, and a month after Spotify made dramatic cuts to its workforce, Roku also made cuts last fall. This is going to continue, folks. There's going to be a number of people that are going to be losing jobs this year. Uh, Death Angel said, I like Odyssey for their quick responses. Unfortunately, everyone seems to be gravitating to Rumble, so that's where my stock is. Yeah, Rumble uh, Rumble is... Uh, Rumble's got stock. Rumble's got the, con the connection to locals, which gives you another uh, potential revenue stream <clears throat> with memberships and subscriptions and that kind of thing. And um, that that brings to mind we probably should have a discussion about whether or not we start up the subscribe star again, even though we didn't have any supporters there. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be this is going to be an interesting year. Rixel says, "Isn't it interesting how all these separate companies end up making the same business decisions?" Well, yeah. But it's not a surprise. And the reason for that is because part, partly we've gotten out of the pandemic. And not everybody is sitting at home now in front of YouTube and streaming platforms all day long. So this, this hiccup in the pandemic where everybody was staying home and watching TV all the live long day on Netflix and Disney plus whatever. Yeah, we can capitalize on this now, but here we are going into four years later coming, come March and relatively back to normal ish on a number of fronts in terms of getting out, going to the movies, going to school, going to work. We're not, we're not under house arrest like we were. And so the potential for the streaming platforms to make money has never materialized. It's a loss leader at best. And I would imagine now with, with the failure of Echo and now with all of the proxy war stuff that's coming up with Disney, they've probably lost another batch of subscribers to Disney+. Plus. And who knows what's going to happen. But streaming services have never made money. That's why they're all going to an ad-supported tier that this is the lowest tier. You're paying for this one. You're going to get commercials. If you don't want commercials, you pay a premium. All of them are doing it. So it's as we predicted a number of years ago when everybody said we're going to have a streaming service because Netflix Netflix was the first one and then all of the rest of them came and said oh, you know, HBO you know, HBO Max and Peacock and Disney Plus and all of these different all of these different streaming services get announced and they all start rolling out and we said there is going to it's going to end up being just like cable this is what happened in, in the cable industry is you had this proliferation of channels that nobody watches, but they're bundled up in these premium tiers that you pay for 12 just so you can watch one. And you're now at that same kind of thing. If I want to watch For All Mankind, 
I have to get Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus, whatever it is. If I if I want to watch 1923, I have to get Paramount Plus. If I want to watch the new Battlestar Galactica, I have to get Peacock. And this this starts to get to the point where in this economy especially in this Brandon economy that we have choices are going to have to be made people will cut their expenses because they can't afford everything that they were paying for because they're not making as much money <laughs> remember when cable channels proclaimed that they were commercial free I do remember that that was a very 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 long time ago uh, Death Angel said here's a fun and semi-controversial topic uh, R.I.P. Paul and Janelle Jacques I don't know that name uh, y'all have to y'all have to fill me in I don't know that one I don't know that name uh <coughs> But we we sat there and said, okay, in this as these streaming services all come in, at some point somebody's going to start bundling them together in these in these tiered in these platforms in these tiered groups, and we've kind of started seeing a little bit of that because you get Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN, ESPN Plus is one set, um, Peacock and. Is is Hulu? Hulu was Comcast. Comcast is Universal. Oh, Jan- Janelle Jaquez, the the D and D artist that just passed. Okay, is that is that who we're talking about? But now we have these fast channels, free ad-supported television, FAST is an acronym, free ad-supported television, which means TV, pre-cable. When, when I was a kid, when we, were, when we were younger, and you may not remember a time before cable, but there were days where you could watch TV and you had a handful of channels. You have ABC, CBS, NBC. You had the networks. You had PBS. In Dallas, it was Channel 13, K-E-R-A, which is where we found Doctor Who. And then you had, if you were in a bigger market like Dallas or Houston or Chicago, Detroit, wherever, you had the smaller independent stations. Channel 39 in, uh, in Dallas ran all westerns all weekend. It's where I, where I first discovered the Lone Ranger and the Rifleman and the Big Valley and uh, Rawhide. And um, what was the other one that was part of that lineup? It was all westerns all day. <coughs> and, yeah, WGN started as an independent channel. And then when cable happened... Now you have all of these new channels, and some of them were some of them were commercial free movie channels. Some of them were things like uh, Learning Channel or Discovery or History Channel or any of that. Do what? 
Yeah. Hey, we got us a we got us a sales bot over on uh, over on Kick. We got a new follower. It looks like it looks like we're up to eight followers on Kick. So hey, there's there's some progress. A uh, hundred nine followers on Twitch, by the way. Hundred eighty five on Rumble. But you have you have now these fast channels, which are essentially TV channels that are going out over streaming pipeline instead of broadcast over an antenna in the air. But it's the exact same thing. And who's going to skim through over 1,500 of them? Because the, the studios that have the streaming platforms are also developing these fast channels. There's, there's going to be too much. And none of it is going to make money. Hardly any of it will make money. Bleach. Huh? Bleach. Le le Leech. What? Huh? Leech. Leech. Yes. Leech. I don't. I don't understand the reference. Like everybody else leeches off of us. Oh. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Still waiting for Netflix to kick in. Well, the Sci-Fi Channel even started as a local cable channel in Florida before it hit the big time and then before uh, NBC Universal bought it Comcast we're entering Max Headroom territory says Cam maybe I just uh, I just wonder about the proliferation of a bunch of different things that nobody wants and nobody needs. And, and, and there's a TED Talk about this, paralysis of choice. There are so many different things out there to choose from with regard to your entertainment and your, and your st stuff that you can get. You end up not getting very much of it because there's, there's too much to choose from. Uh, by the way, Mrs. Boss, we had the the I, I ran the headline during your while you were gone. You know we're getting a new Wizards of Waverly place. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah. She didn't I never care. watched it. Okay. Okay. All right. I wonder if Taylor Swift would be a guest star. Paul Jackways uh, developed arcade conversions of Pac-Man and Donkey Kong, was a level designer for Quake, created Dark Tower for D&D. &D. Oh, oh, okay. Death Angel worked at Radio Shack when the Sci-Fi Channel launched. I remember Radio Shack. I remember I bought some stuff at Radio Shack. I bought a few things at Radio Shack. I had, okay, so... There is a there is a short film that I made and we have referenced it before. Will you prevail? Species Felis Dominaris. Uh, and it is uh, it is a short film about cats uh, who have a little bit more to the story than they want anybody to know. And some of the equipment I have a scientist and he's got equipment in his basement. And some of that is a bunch of stuff that I got at Radio Shack putting this stuff together. Should I should I put the link in for people to watch it? Yes. 
Yes. All right. Mrs. Boss says I should. So let me let me do that. Okay. Um, and I had the I had the the notion here that um, we're probably going to get a copyright ding on Meditations with Tide. No. Well, because I'm playing music from the library. And we're probably going to get dinged by AdRev on behalf of a third party. I don't know. <clears throat> Do we? Should I just play it and let people watch it? Well, I mean, it's mine. It's not like I'm going to copyright ding myself. Yeah, but AdRev may do it on behalf of a third party. That, wouldn't that be something? Yes, play it. You, you guys want to watch it? You guys want to watch I mean, it's only eight minutes. Okay, so let me set this up. Let me set this up. In 2000, when did I make this? 2007. The Sci-Fi Channel, I I can Jesse Smollett myself. (laughs) In 2007, the Sci-Fi Channel ran a contest. And it was not, it wasn't the first time they'd done it. It's called the Exposure Contest. They had done this a couple of different times before. Basically, it was a short film contest. And <laughs> ostensibly, quote-unquote, <clears throat> it was for the purpose of finding new talent so that they could start developing new projects with whoever won the contest. And I thought, hey, I could do a series at the Sci-Fi Channel. Let's go. Sure, let's do it. So I put this thing together. It's in black and white. So you young'uns... Don't adjust your color because there isn't any. It's supposed to look like that. It's an homage to the Twilight Zone and the Outer Limits and that that sort of thing. So I had this idea. We shot this thing, put it together, and I was doped up on NyQuil the entire time that we shot it because I was I was I had a deathly cold. And the way that it was. Uh, decided who was going to be a finalist were based on how many views and votes and all this. And we made the finals. And this film was among nine that were chosen and featured in a special on the Sci-Fi Channel. Now, nobody saw it because they ran it at 3 o'clock in the morning. Which tells me, told me then, that they were doing this to burn up a legal obligation, a contractual obligation. They weren't really looking for any new talent. But still, I have bragging rights that my short film aired on the Sci-Fi Channel three times as part of their exposure special. So, neener, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that. All right. So I guess, I guess we'll, I guess we'll play it. All right, we'll play it, then we'll do a break, then we'll do open line. All right, because so this is going to be eight minutes. It's going to take us past the hour. So as soon as we do this, then we'll take a break. We'll take a quick break. We'll do this, and then we'll do we'll do open line. So here is, in its entirety, species felis. Dominaris.
Let me adjust the settings on the resolution. It doesn't look like the quality is very good. It's not very good quality. That's that's messy. Let me take it out of. I've got to have a better copy of this. Do I have a do I? Let me look. I I've got to have a better copy of this and what's in there. Stay. Hang on. Hang on. I tell you what. Let's do this. I'll we'll do the break while I look for a better copy because I'm sure I've got one. Um, maybe we'll see. We'll do the break. We'll come back. We'll play the movie, and then we'll do we'll do stuff today. Be sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our channels so you don't miss our next broadcast. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Sci-Fi for Me is about to take you on an incredible journey into the realms of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors. Conventions and fandom. Previews and reviews of movies and television. Sci-Fi for Me is working to be the most popular science fiction magazine in the solar system. Subscribe now and enter the fantastic world of Sci-Fi for Me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Live from the bunker, the show you might listen to when nothing else is on. All right, well, it doesn't look like I've got a cleaner copy of this anywhere. I should. I've got it on a DVD. But I'm not finding it anywhere on this computer. It's possible that it's on the dead hard drive. All right. Death Angel Shadows asking, wait, are we actually back yet? Kinda. No dream. No dream. Uh, so, uh, Dave says, Todd needs a uniform. Well, he had one. We gave him, we gave him a temporary uniform, uh, for the, for the shoot out at, uh, Vasquez Rocks. So I guess I guess maybe we'll have to put something on him for uh, for the regular. I don't know what should we what should we put Todd in uh, as far as uh, as far as a as a uniform, a costume, or or something. Is there? We'll think of something. We'll think of something. All right, back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here, along with all of you folks. Happy to have you with us. And it doesn't look like I've got any better copy of this. So I'm going to go ahead and play this. And uh, I guess maybe I should put a put a, a link in the in the chat about it. And so people can go subscribe to the other channel that I never talk about because I don't do anything with it. Why not? Let's just throw this in there for anybody to watch and enjoy. But here it is. Here's what we're going to do. This is... Species Felis Dominaris uh, that aired on the Sci-Fi Channel, and then we will start taking calls. Here we go.
Yeah, there it is, folks. <laughs> what? Everbale. Yeah. It was it was something. Oh boy. So yeah, we, we put that two thousand six. Good night. And and yeah, that was uh that was the kid. That's the that's the logo for the company. Devonshire Jamestown, DJ Picks, that's my that's my production company official. It didn't say it was a documentary. Yeah. Uh sequel. Uh you know, I don't know. Better writing than most of Hollywood today. Well <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> uh we see Jason and many favorite dogs now. What happened? Was it like filming Apocalypse Now? Trauma and backlash. Now, those actually, it's it's kind of funny because, and those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, you missed out. You have to watch the show to to catch up. Um, the we had I had three cats at the time. Two of them would sit still long enough that you know they would get down in in the places in the in the basement in the office and whatnot so i i caught these photo i caught these shots of of mozart and beethoven at random because you you couldn't direct them it was just you know hope for the best and catch them doing stuff so you know sitting on the shelf and and up on the bookcase and all of that good stuff but uh, yeah, I I I made that doped up on Nyquil. I I'm gonna have to get I'll have to pull out the DVD and get a cleaner copy uploaded somewhere. I didn't realize the resolution on that thing was such garbage. But uh, anyway, okay. So here's here's what we'll do. Let me let me get in here and do this uh, and get the link. I meant to, I should have done that while I was while we were watching this. But I was just watching it like everybody else. I was fascinated. It was funny too because uh, in that in that shot where uh, where Doug is reading James Patterson's Cat and Mouse novel, we got a uh, we got an email from the Sci Fi Channel before everything aired. They said, you know, because we were part of this thing and they were putting this thing together, <clears throat> and they said, "Do you have permission for this book to be in your movie?" Because it's James Patterson's book and it's it is copyrighted and whatnot. And I was like, well, I I don't know. So we ended up contacting James Patterson. And so we've made this we've made this short film. It's part of a contest. It's a nonprofit. We're not a professional production studio or anything like that. We're doing this for fun. And the character is reading your book. And if we had not gotten permission from Patterson then Sci-Fi Channel would have had to mask out, blur out the book. And the book is called Cat and Mouse. And so it's like, well, we kind of need to have that. So Patterson, James Patterson gave us permission for that book to appear in our film. So thanks for that. And we didn't have to pay anything for it. That's even better. So there it is. All right, so... Um, let me put link there. <clears throat> And to ask to answer the question here, uh, let's just go through a few things here on the show. Um, what was this shot on? Dave asks. It was shot on the camera that I currently have set up to shoot Todd. Same camera. This this camera here. Let me 
I, let me show you here. This, uh, this camera here it is a Panasonic AG-DV100B. It is not an HD camera. It is a mini DV camera. It actually shoots on tape still. And uh, that's the camera that was shot. That's the camera right now is giving you this picture here of Todd. <coughs> and it's also the camera that's aimed at Office Dog. Uh, we have two of them. That was a marketplace find, right? Uh yeah, the second one was a marketplace find. The first one I had for a while. The first one, I actually shot a feature film on that camera. <coughs> Getting a 1950s vibe with the film angles and the motionless camera. Cute cats. Cats are evil. Mozart and Beethoven and Gershwin were fairly well behaved. Except... Except Mozart is... Mozart was a... Um, well, Todd is what happens when you turn your back on cats. <laughs> okay, so here's, here's a story of when Mozart almost died. Mozart was the orange, the orange long-haired cat in that movie. Which was in black and white. Which was in black and white, but he was, he was, the, he was the lighter one because Beethoven was the tabby, the gray tabby. <clears throat> Fat boy. Mozart, whom we called the Lion King, he was uh, he was the troublemaker. He liked to stalk my fat beagle, Peaches. And Peaches would get on the couch and she'd start whining and growling. And we'd look over and Mozart would be creeping across the, across the floor at Peaches. And she just didn't like it. And one day I'm home for lunch and Peaches is asleep in her bed, minding her own business. And Mozart decides to take it upon himself to mess with her and, and you know, nipped at her or did something. I don't know what he did to set her off. But she blew up out of that ch out of her bed, grabbed his head in her mouth, and I'm fairly certain that she was ready to kill him. If I hadn't been there, I'd have had a dead cat. <laughs> like, no, 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 stop, wait, don't. But anyway, yeah. Todd is what happened to those who watched Oppenheimer in a movie theater in Japan. Oh, now, wow. now. Now, all right, Death Angel Shadow is joining us. Uh, <laughs> welcome, sir. How you doing? Hey, how you been? Um, well, Long you know, no I know. Yeah, we're. Uh, I guess. I guess we're kind of back. Are we back? Are I guess, we back? I, I guess we're back. I guess we're back. I guess we're back. Right. What's up? Oh, nothing. Just uh, trying to survive this uh, Arctic. Uh, Whatever the heck these uh, Yankees sent down our way here in the <laughs> right, <laughs> it's uh, you know I I tell you um, I thought last year or was it I don't 
don't know, was it last year, year before last, we got down to five degrees. Well, this year we got down to three degrees. So. <laughs> well, and we've got, we, we, you know, we saw uh, uh, snow in the Dallas area. My my folks are down around Dallas, and, and there's snow down there. There's yeah. cold temperatures pretty much everywhere. Uh, meteorologist Katie Nicolau, she's been on the program before. She's the one that does the cosplay weather forecast up in, in uh, where is she? She's up in Michigan somewhere. Oh, okay. Uh, last week, she posted a graphic and said it showed that every single state in the continental United States had some sort of weather alert on the same day. It, I it was it. crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I believe it. It, it was. Uh, it was crazy. Uh, like I said, you know, I, <clears throat> I I did beat my record. The previous record I had was four hours getting up the driveway. <laughs> this year, it was only two hours. Of course, last time, I only, I only had myself and our, our previous roommate. This time, I had myself, our current roommate, and then the two neighbors behind us. So, you know, I don't know how that works out. <laughs> you know, there was four of us, so... Yeah, Rixel um, says even central Mexico got to below freezing. That's yeah, crazy. It it it's brutal, you know. And as someone who grew up in Florida, uh, living in Tennessee now, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I grew up in Texas. I survived. I survived the heat wave of 1980, and 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 that was that was brutal, because we had I don't know probably two two and a half weeks of 100 plus heat day after yeah. day after day after day. It was it was it was harsh. Yeah, you, you know and, I I don't mind the heat. No, the heat. I'll that. take the heat any day of the week. But I you know I yeah. I'm getting this stuff. I'm like minus two. Wind chill of minus twenty five. Yeah. Thank you very much. No, that's uh, that. Yeah, that's that's pretty tough. You know, I lived in Vegas. Um, I saw one hundred and twenty five, um, hundred and fifteen regularly, hundred and whatever. You know, eleven o'clock at night, and you're looking up, and it's like, oh look, it's uh, one hundred eleven degrees. Oh, okay, yeah. well, whatever. But. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Get down to you know four or five degrees, and you're like, what? <laughs> so. So what? What? Uh, what movies are you uh, looking forward to this year? Man, I, you know, I I'm really uh, I'm kind of in a quandary. I don't I don't know what to expect. Um, I. I yeah. You know, I, I I like the idea of them doing a uh, reboot of, um, you know, the Highlander, but I'm also very 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 dreadful of it. <laughs> right. I don't think that's going to make it out for what at least a couple of years, though. I'm not sure. I mean, I I don't even know when uh, when right now they're talking about production to start because you know Cavill's doing Warhammer and. Who who knows what happens after that? I don't I don't know what the what the schedule is for him. Right, 
And 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 honestly, I I think the Warhammer thing might be kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I yeah. I know War uh, Cavill is a big Warhammer fan, and I think unlike what happened with the whole Witcher <laughs> debacle, yeah, debacle, yeah, yeah, you could call that. I I do think that uh, um, I think that they're putting a lot more uh, faith in the actor that they're targeting to be their, their, I don't know if you want to call them flagship or, um, you know, main character. Well, and I um, understand that Cavill's an executive producer on this thing too. So that gives him a whole important. lot more control as far yeah. as, hey, we we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. Yeah, and 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 I think that's a that's an actual uh, benefit to the possibilities and the success of this of this film, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know, like I said, I'm not a 40k guy. I'm not a Warhammer guy. So the fact that Cavill is, um, to me, gives it more, or maybe it lends it more credence. Is that is that yeah. fair to say? Well, I mean, we have been in situations in the past where I'm a big fan of this thing I'm going to make, and then they make it yeah. something that would indicate that they've never seen it before. <laughs> so, right. I mean, well, He-Man yeah, comes to mind. I, Star Trek. I'm, I'm inclined to think that Cavill is not of that caliber, though. Yeah. Well, given, know, given the complaints that came out of The Witcher... You know, right. about him being difficult because he wanted the the wanted the show to be a, a, a faithful yeah. to the source material. How dare you, sir? How dare you? Right, and yeah. and that's and that's one of the things that you know. Uh, so I look forward to that, and yeah. and you know, honestly, I I kind of look forward to the possibility of him doing the whole, you know, Highlander thing. Um, maybe, yeah. Um, I know uh, <clears throat> one of the very popular people out there in the uh, entertainment streaming industry um, has said, "Oh well, you know they, you know, oh yeah, maybe we should get some, you know, pop and and uh, this and that and the other." And I'm like, I'm thinking, uh, how about some Dragon Force and some Man of War <laughs> and maybe. A little bit of wind rose or something like that out there. Yeah, you know, um, you know that would to, to me that would be. I would love to see uh, a Highlander with uh, with with some of those those bands because obviously you know there's you, Queen is Queen and you you're not going to replace Queen and I think there's going to be some some things that that you're just going to have to include yeah. the Queen. Who, who do you cast as the Kurgan, though? I mean, Clancy Brown's wow. a hard act to follow. Yeah, that's <clears throat> you know, I, you know, Kurgan, I, I hadn't thought about, but it's funny that somebody had mentioned Antonio Banderas for Ramirez, and oh yeah, I could see I that. I had actually thought that myself. I'm like, you know. He's kind of about that right age, and, you know, that, that wouldn't be that bad. Cam is suggesting Jason Momoa. 
You know, my my wife loved that idea. <laughs> that could that could possibly she loves work. Jason Momoa. Yeah, I mean, if if you've got well, yeah, because Momoa's got that Lobo. Because everybody's been talking about him playing Lobo for the new DC yeah. movies. He has that energy, and I think he could probably do Kurgan. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know that, that you. I don't know that you'd see Jason Momoa's Kurgan as dangerous, though, because he's 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 got that yeah let's go type of attitude. Yeah. But Clancy Brown brought a very dangerous edge to that over the top performance. I don't know that Momoa could could do it and 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 be be a threat, be a credible threat. Well, I mean, but Maybe? you're also talking about, you know, what, you know, 1986, I think it was, when yeah. it was 85 or 86, um, when when the original Highlander came out. Something, I mean, like, yeah, I think it was 86. You, you know, I, I, I'd like to see what they could do, and if the soundtrack is done right, I think it would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Um. You know, uh, I don't. I, I'd like to see where they where they go. I don't know if they're going to stick with the canon that has been established, or if they're willing to open it up a little bit and include both the canon from the you know both Connor and Duncan. That's the well, big question. See, that's that's the thing because I I will admit that I did not watch a lot of the TV series because that was, that was, not, I was in college and, you know, there, it, it, I was busy doing other things and I didn't, I didn't catch up. I need to catch up on it. But the question for me was always, okay, if there can be only one as it's established in that first book, in that first movie. Right. And Connor McCloud comes in at the end and he's the one, he's the Highlander. He's the, he's the one that gets it all. Then at some point that must mean Duncan McCloud loses. Well, yeah, and, and and I mean that's actually true for the whole. Even if you watch, what do you want to call it, Highlander Three or whatever? What's what's um, wait? What's Highlander Three? <laughs> I, I've never better than Highlander been, Two. Let's I, put it that way. There's a Highlander Two. What are you talking about? Yeah. This is crazy yeah, talk. Yeah. I have never heard uh, of such things. Uh, I know uh, Highlander Two. We we don't want to talk about it. You know. <laughs> oh, we got to create the shield. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the shield for what? Oh, because of global warming. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Whatever. Who would you get to direct? Um, uh, who 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 directs the, the new Highlander movie? You think? Oh, I don't. I don't even know, man. I there's there's a couple of there's a couple of names I think that have been popped around there. Um, who's who's the one that's uh, that's that's really on the top of the the the, the list there? Um, D- Scott Derrickson, Zack Snyder. Yeah, no, I don't no think not Zack, Zack Snyder. Snyder. I mean, Guy Ritchie. No. Guy Ritchie might be a possibility. Um, yeah, you could you could get John Favreau if he's available. Favreau um, would be interesting. Yeah, um, there's who, somebody, uh, I had heard something. Somebody else had said. Um, 
I mean, James Mangold could be a possibility. Matthew Vaughn's Maybe. possible. Maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Duncan lived in the Kelvin universe. I like that one. Um, <laughs> who was? No, I was thinking there was there was a name there was a name that was, just went through my head. There was head a name that was floated around that that was actually like, uh, yeah, you. I could see him doing it. Yeah, so, I don't remember who it um, was though. I don't. I don't either. I, 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 like I said, it, you know, we're still early on in this, right? I mean, the, the, the thing is, is it's, it just got a green light, from what I understand. Well, so, it's been in, it's been in development for the last two that, years. What does that mean? Two years, that three years. I mean, writing and stuff like that. Right? I don't, I don't know that there's a script. Yeah. In development means we're we're putting things together and. If somebody is writing, I don't. I don't even know if I've seen that there's a writer attached to it. So it it could still be vaporware. Yeah, I'd I have mean, to go back I'd and like look. To, I'd like to see. Um, you know, obviously, I, I I loved the original. I would like to see a little more backstory set in what was it the. 12th or 13th century. Oh yeah. You know, I'd like to see some of the older stuff. I'd like to I'd like to see more fleshed out in that era. And then you know, kind of you know, I know they're going to do the whole jump back and forth between back then and today and back I mean that's classic, you know. Yeah. That is what made you know, Highlander what it is. I mean, I, you know, a lot of I've heard a lot of a lot of pundits say Oh well, that's a typical '80s movie, so you know, I I get it, I get it. Well, we do have this story here because I just I just did a search Highlander reboot. This is Koi Moy. I don't know what this website is, but this is dated today. Highlander reboot led by Henry Cavill to mark a new franchise confirms Chad Stahelski and teases John Wick's future because he's the John Wick guy. He's You're the right. One, yeah, his, he. This is the guy that's directing it. <clears throat> Um, yeah. uh, Stelsky is directing. Will also look after the uh, the John Wick series. Per, per the latest report, both franchises will expand across all media platforms. Uh, ba da ba da ba da ba da. This is John Wick. John Wick. John Wick. There, there was something that I had heard about uh, setting both Highlander and the John Wick in the same universe. Um, have you heard that? I have not. Uh, I, it says here, uh, I don't know who Joe, Joe Drake and Adam Fogelson of Lionsgate Motion Picture, uh, they talked about this. They say they praised Chad Stahelski for being a creative force defining the world of John Wick, and now they want him to work with the same vigor and develop the Highlander franchise. The statement they put out says, this deal makes it official, and we look forward to his steady hand and creative input, not just on the film he is making, but other stories that arise from it. He's a true visionary, and we are thrilled to have him in our corner. So Lionsgate is working. We're moving forward, I guess. Lionsgate is doing the reboot uh, of Highlander with Cavill. <clears throat> so, so, so this, so this, this um, proposed thing that I was mentioning... Um, <clears throat> Basically, where they were trying to put the John Wick and uh, Highlander into the thing. Um, now, I'm not. I am. I'm going to totally fess up. I'm not a John Wick f person. I haven't. I haven't watched any of the John Wick movies. So, um, 
one of the things that I had seen had proposed that uh, something called the Elders from the John Wick series, the Elders, that's like supposedly a cabal of oh, yeah. 14 or some odd number of of uh, people that are running the whole thing that created these coins and stuff like that, that they may be actually immortals. And so that's <laughs> where the whole tying the whole two, the two, uh, I don't know what you want to call them. The, that, that would be an interesting development uh, yeah. on, on the John Wick stuff, certainly. Yeah, so so basically the elders were actually immortals, and John Wick himself may be an immortal, and he just doesn't know it yet, or something like that. That type of thing. Huh. Interesting. I All haven't right. I haven't seen I, I haven't run across that that particular theory before, but uh, what well, I just saw it last night. So lots it's of not it's not like it's. I mean, there's it's, there's it's potential in that, and there there certainly is potential in that. Well, and it gives. I mean, I guess it gives them the ability to expand the whole, the whole universe out. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you've got, you've got the whole Highlander thing, and then you've also got the John Wick thing, and you're kind of bringing them together, and then you're creating this bigger arc, uh, universe type thing. So, uh, you know, that would be interesting. Like I said, I'm. I've not seen any of the John Wick stuff. I know I'm. I'm a bad sci-fi guy, I, I guess, you know. I will admit I have not seen any of them either. So, yeah. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I you should know? I I mean I should watch them and I and I've talked I've talked about this before one of the one of the main reasons why it's completely irrational but one of the main reasons why I've not watched the first John Wick to get started on this is because I know that something happens to the dog and yeah. it's it's an irrational thing it is something I'm like it's 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 Hollywood it's make believe it's nothing actually really happens to the dog but I've just got this mental block that About, that uh, may, it has me pet. reluctant yeah. to sit and watch John Wick. I don't know what actually happens to the dog. I know something right. happens to the dog, and I'm like, mm, do I want to sit and watch that? I mean, it's a little piece of the movie. It's the inciting, yeah. the inciting incident, as it were, you know, as as they say in in story craft, but. I don't know. I'll have I have to get around to watching them at some point. I yeah, you and me both. You know, like I said, I, I you know I I know a lot. The people that love John Wick love it to death, and that right there says something about it. Yeah, that makes me go, okay, I probably should go ahead and watch this at some point. Um, you know, um, eh. Like I said, you know, it, it you know, I, I, I saw a couple of things talking about Keanu um, as as a, a potential character in in the Highlander movie. Um, OK, I get that. You know, um, you know, do they want to tie the two franchises together? I don't know if that's a good idea or not. Honestly. Um, Honestly, I don't know. I guess it would depend on how how familiar we are because we I, we'd have to watch the movies, really, to right. get a sense of who these elders are to begin with. So, I've seen I've seen what the three or 
Is there three, four, there's four, whatever? There's four, and then there's the new TV show, uh, The Continental, that's that's out. And then Ballerina is a spinoff movie that's going to be coming. Yeah. And and I also, I really enjoyed, uh, now I know a lot, not everybody did, but uh, when it comes to Highlander, I enjoyed both the Connor and the Duncan dichotomy. Um, I loved the, uh, the 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 TV shows. I thought, you know, the TV series gave a lot more ability to explain and go into details on things that the movie just didn't have time to do because it was a sure. movie. You know, a movie is what ninety minutes, especially back in nineteen eighty six, eighty yeah. five, whatever. You know, they were going to do a you know two and a half hour movie. <laughs> that at, was unheard of. At then. some point, at some point in this new movie, they have to do the Russell. They have to do Russell Mulcahy's signature camera move. It's in yeah. it's in Highlander. I've also seen it uh, in another movie that he directed. Basically, if you're looking at the fight choreography, you've got right. the two the two people that are fighting each other, right, with their swords and the whatnot. What sure. the camera does is he's got it on a dolly, and it arcs in the room. So it comes closer to the fighters, and then it right. arcs away from the fighters. So you get this this sweeping shot of the two combatants, and you come in and close and then out and the other. And, and it's, right. it's a weird camera move, yeah. but it's... It's noticeable because I remember I don't even remember what I what I was watching that was another Mulcahy film, and he did the exact same camera move in that movie too, and I looked at it and went, oh, that's that's like almost like the lens flare for JJ. Yeah, yeah, it was that signature yeah. that signature piece. And I thought it's a dumb camera move, but it's kind of cool looking. Um. But I don't uh, see what. Let me see if I can just kind of. <laughs> Cam's like, that's my move. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, is it? Was it in a? Was it in a? It might have been in a. I don't know. Scorpion King. I don't remember that I saw Scorpion King. Where did I see this? Because um, it was right after I saw. Uh, it was right after I saw Highlander. And then I saw this one. So it was about the same time. Was it Ricochet? It might have been Ricochet. Is that the... the was that the movie by... Uh, <clears throat> the guy who killed Star Wars? No, Ricochet... No, it was Russell Mulcahy directed. Ricochet was Denzel Washington and John Lithgow and Ice-T. Okay. That might have right. been it. There's there's another movie out there that's got the same camera move that, that he did in Highlander. And I thought, oh, okay. Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be Ricochet. Anyway. What am I thinking of? I don't know. Um, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't and really doesn't matter. The weird, you know, um, the, the weird thing is so I'm going through here. I don't th YouTube's not letting me pin the the streamer's link. Uh, if anybody else wants to call in, you'll have to scroll. I may have to. I may have to put it in there again, but um, it's not letting me pin the link, which is really weird. I don't know why really? it's why it's doing Let that. Let me see if it lets me do it. Uh, chat. 
it's strange why it doesn't let me do that kind of thing because it's YouTube. Is it too long? Uh, it should be. No. It shouldn't be. But I'll put it in there a second time. And y'all can see. <clears throat> I don't know why it does that. Yeah, I don't know. Right. See, uh, so the link's in there. Anybody else wants to jump in here? We got about uh, 18 minutes left in the show. All yeah, is quiet in the neighborhood. The compound is not under siege yet, so that's good. No, 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 no. Please, by all means. Like I said, I'm happy to be back. Sorry I missed Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, but, you know, <laughs> apparently I was getting snowmageddon. Yes, Yes, and and we've got we've got quite a bit of snow on the ground here as well. Um, speaking speaking of that, for for cold temperatures and and warmth or whatnot, because we talked about earlier, you know, stuff hits the fan and getting to know your neighbors and whatnot. I'm going to throw this yeah. out there because I've mentioned it before. We have a patio, an enclosed patio, and Mindy will bring in. The, the stuff that's in container, the container plant, you know, some of the tomatoes and the peppers and, and right. that sort of thing. Ran across a mention of bubble wrap as an insulator. Yeah. So we now that. have bubble wrap on all of the windows in the patio, and it actually is working as a fairly solid insulation layer. I was very surprised. It's, well, well, let me, it's let almost me as this. good as protective as protective uh, uh, wardrobe in case somebody falls down and needs a suit made out of bubble wrap or something. So, so I have I have the whole Star Wars, uh, uh, you know, whatever you call it, the sun shield or what you know the the sun blocker that you put in your windshield. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. The windshield. And yeah. that's got the whole. It looks like it's from coming. You know, if you're looking from the outside in, it looks like you're looking into the Millennium Falcon. And that thing is actually made of that almost like bubble wrap material. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit thicker. Uh, it's got a foil layer on the outside, and then of course on top of the foil layer is the actual picture. And then it's kind of got the same thing on the back side too. You know. So when you unfold it, you know, you're seeing one thing, and when you're looking from the outside in, it looks like you're looking into the the Millennium Falcon. But but really, it it's just a folded, you know, piece of bubble wrap, <laughs> yeah. more so. Yeah. I mean, and that, you know, and, and yeah, with the foil on it, the foil, of course, adds a little bit of insulation. So, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, I posted some, I posted a link here too. Same link that you did. So no. if anybody else wants to jump on here, by all means. <laughs> yeah. See, um, that's, this is, this is the thing. We've got people watching. And I get it. Not everybody wants to call, and nobody everybody wants to be on, uh, be on, and be sure. part of the conversation. That's fine. But don't be shy, folks. If you if you have an opinion, if you have something you want to share, especially on Friday, because we're going to do open line Friday, so tomorrow all day is going to be calling. 
And I guess I'm going to have to take to the social medias and just really hype up the fact that we're going to be doing Open Line Friday tomorrow. We because need, we need to pass your culture we need, to, we need help people. Him, you know. Yeah, we need people to to remember <laughs> Open Line Friday. This is this is this becomes your show on Open Line Friday. So join us for for that tomorrow. And and uh, yeah, maybe maybe I need to I'll get on. Get on Thursday Night Throwdown tonight on Comics Division's yeah. uh, channel and let everybody yeah. know that, that tomorrow's the call-in program. I'll, I don't know. I'll try and jump on there, too, if I can. Are you um, are you ready for more Wizards of Waverly plays? Oh, no. <laughs> really? <laughs> now the police show up? What? They just now showed up. Where they I mean, this guy's, this guy's been gone for half hour, 45 minutes. And they're just now showing up in oh, answer really? to my call. But that's okay. Everything's safe. Everything's fine. There's no emergency. So they're just going to they're just gonna pull around, and they're going to see there's nobody anywhere, and everything's fine. So, there's no unusual vehicles. No unusual vehicles. <laughs> I don't Lord. know. Anyway. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, like I said, well, you know, anything you need from me, you, you know how to get over me. Yeah. <laughs> More than yeah. Easily, and and I want to encourage everybody to jump on the Discord. And if you've got a question, even if you're if you're if you're not if you're not confident enough to jump here on the Streamyard or whatever with us and and ask a discussion, jump on the Discord, throw it out to us, and say, "Hey, can you ask?" Yeah, and we'll we'll put it out there. Well, more than happy to do that. You know, it, we don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. We want, you, you know, uh, we get it. You know, I don't care. You know, I worked in theme parks. Once you work in a theme park, especially one of the big ones that has a giant rat or, you know. <laughs> right. Well, and, so, <clears throat> and and it's funny you mentioned that because our guest uh, is supposed to be on today, Lee Romero. He's done animatronic stuff like that in the theme parks, in the Disney parks and Universal parks. And I, I yeah. watched an interview with him last night uh, prepping for today. And he mentions that he's currently working on something. And that may be, that may be the thing that he was working on today that, that, that took him away from the show. But he's right. working on something now that he can't talk about but it's a project in Orlando and i and i well, am starting to wonder i i wonder cuz he's doing animatronics i wonder if he's working on the new epic universe super nintendo i was going to say um my money would be on he's working on the epic universe stuff yeah. but that's you know, what i'm that's what i'm wondering something, something with the super nintendo stuff or yeah one of those uh, other things, and because aren't they supposed to put? From what I understand, now when I worked at Universal, and I did, I opened Harry Potter, um, uh, the first one, and they were building the train when I left Universal. So they were they had constructed the train, but they hadn't completely finished everything at that point. In fact, I remember seeing the train cars sitting on crates in in the uh one of the sound stage parking lots. Yeah. Backstage. And 
and they were still built, putting together the the track that went from Island or went from Universal Studios to Islands of Adventure, where they were building the expansion, and uh, or was the it was the other way around? Sorry, from Islands of Adventure <laughs> to Universal Studios, but but they were they were still building a track because right. where they put the expansion. Harry Potter 2.0, if you want to call it, was actually where Jaws was. That oh, whole okay. area where Jaws yeah. was. Um, By the way, Ma- actually, Michael joining the call there. Hi, hi Michael. It's good to hi, Michael. be with you. <laughs> don't let me don't don't let me monopolize it. Somewhere in a thumb drive, I actually have the show system that ran Jaws. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. I actually, have, it ran on like a 46 or something like that. It was funny as hell. Um, and I remember when they were pushing us to update everybody from uh, um, Windows XP to Windows 7 or above. Oh, you know? good night. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, it was a while ago. But uh, the problem is is that that ride ran off of, like, something pre-XP so it was running on an XP computer at the time, and yeah, that was a funny thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, but some somewhere on a thumb drive somewhere, I have somewhere laying around. There's 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 a copy of the show system there, yeah. which was by Johnson Controls because that was one of the major companies that did that. Yeah. Um, and uh, of course, you know, Jaws is gone. I mm-hmm. I pull my hat off, but put my headset off. Um, but, um, well, let's give Michael a know. minute here. Michael, how you doing? Yeah. Is he there? Are you there? Michael, come on in. I don't hear him. I don't, Michael, if you're, if you're talking, I don't hear your mic. It doesn't say, yeah, it doesn't you, show he's you muted. Might be. It doesn't say he's muted. <clears throat> Can't hear Michael. No, but he might. Michael, be you there? Locally muted. He'd jump in. Nope. Uh, looks like we're gonna have to jump out and jump back in. Let's see. Let's see if that does it. Let's see. Yeah, bring him back in. He disappeared. Let's see if he come, Let's see if he calls back in. Well, hopefully he will. Let's see. Um. But yeah, it, you know, it was it. I remember seeing that, and I remember like going, "Oh wow." You know, I wish I could tell other people about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. They were running the test stuff. Well, you know, it, of course, I was I was still a Universal team member. Yeah. And that's what that's what Universal calls their, you know, Disney calls their their employees cast members. I was a team member at Universal. Right. Well, and um, and I'm I'm curious how Epic Universe is going to fit into everything else that Universal's got if it's if they're going to cuz I don't know on location wise, if they're all if they're all that close together that one could run into the other if it's a separate park. So so Universal Islands are on the same piece of property, basically. Okay. The all same right, acreage. Like see else. if see if Michael comes in here. Michael, can you hear us now? Are oh, I can hear you. The, there I you can go. hear you. The issue is whether I can tell you anything. Okay, there you are. We can hear you now. I don't know what's okay. been going on. StreamYard has been buggy this week. No, no. Today it was me. I could tell it was me. Okay, all right. Um, then it was you. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I have no idea what you guys have been talking about for the last uh, 50 minutes. So I just wanted to throw in my, uh, since there's only eight minutes, seven minutes left, I'll throw in my long-winded speech here. Well, <laughs> I'll try and make it five minutes. Okay. Um, the commentary I wanted, there were two commentaries I wanted to make today. One was the um, was an observation that I saw when you're doing the news articles about uh, the Avengers TV series that uh, was that was is claimed to be uh, having a pilot and perhaps a series going for forward yes. with it. Yes. Like like other form like other forms of IPs that we've seen in the past. My question, uh, like the others, is why? Um, and specifically, it's because I was kind of sort of uh, an Avengers fan during my grammar school years because my best friend uh, in grammar school and high school, that was like his show. You know, um, uh, he was really into the Avengers. Uh, we even did weird things like, you know, we made character sheets and tabletop games, uh, the top secret tabletop game that was out in the uh, early 80s we made character sheets for every character and villain <laughs> on the, on the show in part because uh, uh, dungeon or dragon magazine uh, had had uh, and TSR had had articles about uh, doing write-ups for uh, the other spy heroes including Maxwell smart and agent uh, 88 yeah. so so 8899 well the to answer the question why yeah this is pure spec this is pure speculation on my part but we have right now we have henry cavill coming in with argyle yeah we have the mission impossible franchise and we have missing in action the james bond series we're not right. quite sure what's going to happen next with james bond so there's an opportunity i mean we're going to get a new actor playing him but we don't have any word on any they, they've they've put a pause on james bond the problem with james bond is that he's sexist misogynist is product of his time and he doesn't just fit in for modern sensibilities and all that other garbage exactly and and what well, there's that, but there, you know, there's there's the fact that you've got him doing Argyle now. You've got the Mission Impossible stuff. It's possible, and this is speculation again. It's possible <laughs> that some people are out there saying, you know, with Bond missing, there's an opportunity to capitalize and and try to capture that audience with the Avengers because the Avengers is kind of in that same wheelhouse as uh, it, Bond, as the Saint, um, uh, Man from Uncle, and that kind of thing. And if they do a faithful adaptation, for another. Yeah, but if they do that, a faithful adaptation, you, there's room. There's room in the landscape for both the Avengers and Bond. Yeah, if, the, for Avengers and Bond, because especially like in the '60s, you know, yeah, it, it, you you were able to show that, but that was all part of the. Um, the genre, the craze of the genre of the time. What I'm saying is that um, because I really, because I really do, uh, you know, I really did watch uh, a lot of spy shows uh, besides the Avengers. I mean, we, we um, my friend, uh, we're talking the late 70s. My friend uh, was because he was kind of rich. 
he was able he was buying uh he was buying avengers bootlegs of off vhs tapes left and right for for in the 19 late 1970s early 1980s at 30 and 40 dollars a pop and that was when and he went and bought a vhs player for a thousand dollars back wow. in 1980 because that's how much they cost back yep, in 1980 i remember i, remember. I believe right. it so yeah. the, so you could see um and the thing is that he was hag he was haggling from some uh this uh chicago guy that he was already like in his uh, he unfortunately i gotta say he looks a little bit like that death shadow does like his picture does right now uh this guy named adam who's now like probably in his 60s or 70s or something but he was a, not that old so so no, no, why no, would you saying, why would you ask why i mean what's the what's yeah, the well, because because why are you uh yeah i got distracted why are you bringing it back to the ta table in that uh you're simply you're simply trading one unacceptable uh, uh modern modern sensibilities genre or, or or hero for another because right. what i mean the the thing is that you're not going to capture the you're not going to you're likely not to capture the stylistic uh romance from the heady m appeal days part part and you're not gonna you're not gonna get the uh more father father and daughter appeal from um i forgot the the um you're talking about honor, honor blackman no 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 the one later, the the one later who was much younger than uh, than uh, John Steed. Uh, um, I forgot what her name was, but uh, well, Honor uh, Blackman was Honor before. Black, uh, oh, Honor well, Blackman was before, before MPL. MPL. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, so, and what you could so what, what you could be looking at though on that is the the potential if you're if you're if you're filtering it through modern sensibilities. You and could, we are in the modern you, times. You have the potential there because strong female characters, you know, Emma Peel and the rest of them were not Bond girls. They were equals with John Steed. So you have that angle from a feminist message point of view, but there's also the potential that whoever is developing the, the reboot looks at it and says... Well, this doesn't need tinkering because the women were already strong female characters. Let's just make a reboot that's faithful to the source material. There's a possibility right. there that we could get the Avengers that are actually the Avengers. Well, that's that leads to my next uh, that leads to my next thing because we also we also saw the uh, uh, we also saw the sequel show, the New Avengers, and what happens is that uh, that was. Um, uh, Linda Thorson, that was her name, uh, the the one after um, the one after Emma Peel. Uh, what ha what happened there was that um, ah, Tara King. That was I had to go wiki it up to remember her name. Um, what happens is that was more like uh, you could definitely tell the age difference, and it was uh, kind of thing, and it was not at all the will they won't they of uh, of uh, Mrs. Peel, and it wasn't the equal. Uh, uh, equal characters of um, with Honor Blackman before that. Uh, you're, and the reason I bring that the new Avengers up is because what you didn't have was the active writing of, uh, of Brian Clemens, who made the show in that weird sort of halfway between uh, stylish and, and weird, halfway weird camp. Mm -hmm. 
because that's what that's what uh, the the uh, old, the Avengers show had, where they were tr- they were treating out um, outrageous situations halfway seriously. In, in, they were part of the joke in a sense, not like a uh, Batman where where Adam Adam West is like in total, you know, like absolute serious mode. Right. We're so serious. This isn't funny. Well, there's a there's an opportunity <laughs> you know. here to revive the spy fi subgenre. Right. And and do uh, something like that. Uh, that's yes. But I'm not uh, optimistic about it. Well, that, that's we, the we'll, uh, pri- that was the primary uh, thing that it, it wasn't so much the article was getting it wasn't so much it wasn't you it was the article that was getting my goat because it's like you know like I said it's uh, you dredged up old memories and I remember very much when, uh, when we used to have those kind of my friend and I used to have these debates about that show particularly the uh, particularly the, the more outrageous episodes like the um, like the house that has the moving rooms and the uh, uh, the uh, what do you call it the uh, maid that's going like he said he was going to kill you he said I could watch <laughs> you know lines like that yeah right yeah well we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see how it shakes out. There's, I mean, and and as we've learned with Lucasfilm, just because they've announced something doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to follow through with it at all. What Ray? Uh, so, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it and I find it interesting how that story is evolving with certain people reporting that the Ray movie might not move forward after certain other people have been reporting that the Ray movie wasn't going to move forward for months now, and. Nobody's acknowledging each other on any of that stuff, and I think it's just silly. All right, that's that's it for us today. Death Angel Shadow, Nathan, uh, Michael, thanks very much for for calling in and yep. uh, and contributing well, to your thoughts. Tomorrow on the program, I don't want anybody to forget uh, we are going to do Open Line Friday, and I will be on social media all day reminding people of this because tomorrow's all three hours is call in. <laughs> And tell us what you think and do that. In the meantime, speaking of the socials, here's all of the list of every place where you can find us uh, in our social media uh, uh, endeavors. There's way too many of those, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And that's it for us today, folks. We're going to reschedule with Lee Romare and then uh, figure out what's going on there and schedule a bunch of other people. we got a ton of other people in the lineup uh, to get on and uh, and talk to people uh, about various different projects they're working on. So be looking forward to that. And that's it for us today. Thanks very much for being here, folks. I apologize again for the delay in getting started. Uh, but, you know, things, things what happened. So that's going to do it for us. Remember, the politicians hate you. The media lies to you. God has a plan for you. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2024, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.